0: Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, our conversation with Senator Rob Portman on the long-overdue settlement of the CHIPS Act and its importance to Ohio, as well as his report to the Federal Reserve this week, detailing China's attempts to influence and undermine U.S. monetary policy. Also this morning, writing down cancer, a conversation with the author of a new book of poetry on a topic nearly everyone can relate to. And in honor of the return of the Ohio State Fair, we have recipes that just taste better in Ohio from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, July 29th, 2022. In addition to today being National Chicken Wing Day, which is the most important, uh, part of the celebration list it is also national lasagna day people just don't get as excited about lasagna as they do chicken wings you know national lipstick day it is international tiger day national get gnarly day national talk in an elevator day don't you hate when people do that if you're with a stranger in an elevator and they're trying to strike up a conversation. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it is Rain Day and it is System Administrator Appreciation Day. So reasons to celebrate uh, observances uh, on the schedule today. So uh, speaking of uh, eating, about the only... We talk about lasagna day not being as popular as National Chicken Wing Day. About the only person that gets about the only I don't want to say person, the only individual who would be excited about lasagna would be Garfield the cat, right? Well, as it happens, for two evenings, you can dine like a cat in New York City. Fancy feast. Will be the cat food will be serving cat food inspired meals. They won't be cat food. It'll be cat food-inspired meals for two nights only at their pop-up restaurant, Gatto Bianco, which is white cat in Italian. Gatto Bianco. Uh, It'll be open for reservations starting August 4th. And uh, the restaurant itself, reservations will be taken starting August 4th. Restaurant will be open August 11th and 12th. Dishes include salmon, spare ribs, braised beef, lemon panacanta. And almond cake, so everything that your cats love. I don't know. Dine like a cat in New York City. They're running out of ideas, aren't they? They're just for pop-up restaurants in <laughs> the Big Apple. They're running out of ideas. I think that's a. Speaking of eating, this is kind of interesting. New research out of the University of Surrey in England finds that dark chocolate might make your blood vessels stretchier, which is a good thing. Uh, According to this study, uh, dark chocolate, they say, which is high in cocoa, can lower your blood pressure and make your veins and arteries healthier as well. (laughs) Researchers, uh, this definitely caught my attention. Um, But it was kind of interesting. The researchers, it said, studied all of 11 adults. 11 people were studied uh, on this. They uh, consumed cocoa. One group consumed cocoa. Uh, consumed uh, cocoa the other a placebo so you had a control group for two weeks so you studied 11 people for two weeks i'm not sure if you can make any medical prognostications based on that but they did and uh, those who consumed cocoa experienced health benefits within hours they said uh, other studies have also suggested that cocoa can help lower cholesterol so there is that as well Go ahead and have your uh, dark chocolate. Uh, By the way, speaking of chocolate, did you see this big, big news this morning? And uh, this is definitely one of the first things you need to know this morning. In an investor call yesterday, the CEO of Hershey's, Michelle Buck, revealed that the chocolate company will not be able to fully meet consumer demand for Halloween. <sighs> I know. There may not be, here's the latest the latest product shortage and this is getting serious now. According to CNN Business, supply chain issues coupled with a candy demand that has been very high since the pandemic began, we've been reaching for our comfort food. Uh, And that is taking a bite out of Hershey's ability to produce enough of the sweet stuff for trick-or-treat. While Hershey sales figures showed double-digit growth as compared to last year, uh, the uh, investor investor call revealed that the day-to-day consumption of Reese's and Payday's and Hershey chocolate bars and all their other brands Will mean empty shelves when it comes to seasonal products. They've barely been able to keep up with the demand that they have seen throughout the year, so they're not going to be able to produce the seasonal stuff. According to Ms. Buck, the Hershey CEO, it's either that or see empty shelves for the regular products. Now you gotta gotta choose one or the other. We had a strategy a strategy of prioritizing everyday on-shelf availability, but it was a tough decision, she said. So, wow, that is big, big news. May not have chocolate for Halloween. Whatever will we do? I don't know. I am just flabbergasted by that. I am floored. I am the 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 world may be coming to an end if you don't have uh, Hershey's treats for Halloween. I don't know what to do. Uh let's see here what else is uh, going on in the world. Oh, I saw this. Uh if you're going to be out uh out of doors at any point during the weekend, upcoming weekend, um you don't want to get eaten alive by the skeeters. If you want to avoid getting bit by mosquitoes, wear purple, blue, green or gray clothing. Apparently, and this is where did I see this? I don't I don't have the uh, source on this and I apologize, but uh it says red or orange like, you know some lights, I guess I started at the beginning here. you know some lights uh, attract insects. If you've ever turned on your porch light at night and get a swarm of insects around it, you know what I'm talking about. Light uh, attracts insects, and some light uh, some types of light attract more insects than others. you know they sell those uh, what those yellow bulbs that are supposed to not uh, attract as many insects. I, I don't know if that really is effective. Uh, I've tried that at my house and it seems like we get as much many bugs as we do with any other light. But it is true that some insects are more attracted to certain types of light than others. Um, apparently, mosquitoes included. Red or orange lights may be more attractive to the little bloodsuckers because mosquitoes look for animals exhaling carbon dioxide. And it looks... Uh, red or orange to them, apparently. So those are colors to avoid. Uh, Typically, uh, large mammals tend to have tan, brown, red, or orange skin tones or the exhaling uh, looks like that to the mosquitoes. That's what it says here. And mosquitoes are not attracted. It says to purples, blues, greens, or grays. So there you go. A little public service you want to avoid the Skeeters um, while you're outside this weekend. Those are the colors to wear or not wear as the case may be. And uh, finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, here is something to think about uh, because with our smartphones constantly at our fingertips, you know, modern society, we have a We always have our smartphones with us. It's pretty easy nowadays uh, just to pull out our device to kill a little bit of time. But a new study suggests that you are missing out by not unplugging and just getting lost in your thoughts. According to experiments conducted by a team of researchers from the UK. um, Well, actually, it was a, a joint project from the UK, Germany and Japan. People really like just doing nothing and getting inside their own head. In fact, the 250 test subjects in this research project consistently underestimated how much they thought they would like just thinking. The study was published in the Journal of Experimental Psychology. The test subjects were asked to just sit by themselves in 20-minute sessions in various locations. They tried it in a conference room in an office, in a darkened tent, just sitting by themselves in a chair. The subjects were then polled both before and after the experiment. They were asked if they would rather use their phone to browse news headlines, social media, etc., or just sit and think. And in nearly every case, they preferred leaving their phones in their pocket and taking their brains, giving their brains a workout instead. Says the study co-author, you are missing an opportunity to positively engage yourself without relying on such stimulation. So leave the phone in your pocket and just sit and get lost in your own thoughts. At some point this weekend, do it yourself. See if you don't feel better. Maybe the best advice you get all day. Here you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, mostly sunny skies today with a high around 80. It'll be partly cloudy tonight, a low of 58. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office Citizens Academy class will return this fall after being canceled the last two years due to the pandemic. Sheriff Heldman says each class focuses on a different aspect of the Sheriff's Office.
2: We meet once a week and we talk about the inner workings of the sheriff's office, and it you know, it may be a night with one of the detectives, it may be a night with the canine.:
1: The Citizens Sheriff's Academy class will begin in September and run for nine weeks on Thursday nights, get more information on the website. Big things are happening on and around the campus of Liberty-Benton local schools. Superintendent Mark Kowalski says the new K-8 building is coming along nicely, as are the renovations to the high school. And he says there's also a project underway to thank their donors.
2: We have a stadium project going on, an entryway to our stadium, in conjunction with our uh, athletic capital campaign for a recognition and memorial entrance to our stadium. We would like to recognize all of our donors.
1: And back in April, they held a ribbon-cutting ceremony to open the new Eagle Fieldhouse. Also, County Road 9 next to the high school is being widened so it could handle increased traffic. Get more on all the happenings on the Liberty Benton campus on the website. Troopers with the Highway Patrol are cracking down on speeding this summer.
2: Speed is involved in about one-third of all motor vehicle deaths nationwide. Sergeant Ray Santiago with Ohio State Highway Patrol says...
0: We're noticing that troopers are issuing citations a lot more frequently for motorists traveling 20-plus miles per hour over the speed limit or in excess of 100 miles per hour.
1: WTOL 11's Zainab Shaib reporting. The company that owns Cedar Point and Kings Island is being sued by three Ohio TV stations. WTOL in Toledo, WBNS in Columbus, and WKYC in Cleveland have filed suit against Cedar Fair and Cedar Point Police, alleging the company has failed to provide access to public records. The stations have been investigating accusations of sexual assaults at employee dorms at Cedar Point. Get more news anytime at WFIN.com.
0: Well, this week we finally got movement on the chips and science act we've been talking about the chips act and how beneficial that would be for the state of ohio particularly with uh, intel pending investment in the state so earlier this week the senate finally pushed that measure through yesterday the house approved it and so now it awaits the president's signature Yesterday afternoon, we spoke with Senator Rob Portman about that measure and about a bombshell new report that he authored as ranking Republican on the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs, detailing China's attempts to influence and undermine U.S. monetary policy. The importance of strengthening America's competitiveness in the technology industry is obvious, and we know how it will benefit Ohio directly with Intel's commitment. We have talked about that at length. But the $52 billion in subsidies and the $100 billion in funding for NSF programs is an awful lot of spending. Senator Portman, what is the argument for those who are concerned about the price tag and or the way that money is being spent?
2: Well, it's essential not just for the economic uh, development of our state, which is obviously a big, big deal, but also for our national security. And so we simply have to have the ability to access these semiconductors. If we don't, you know, we find ourselves dependent on countries that don't like us very much for one of the most uh, important, maybe the most important technology that's out there. So everything is more electronic, including our military. Uh, The F-35, our new fighter bomber, as an example, has all kinds of semiconductor needs. Right now, we are reliant on foreign countries for that, including countries in Asia uh, that are pretty vulnerable, like Taiwan. Ninety percent of the high-end chips are made there. Uh, Also, obviously, China is very invested in this and wants to have more chip manufacturing there. We do not want to be dependent on those countries for our economic future or our national security future. Some of the funding, in addition to what goes into semiconductors, still has to be appropriated by congress in other words this was the first step in saying we're authorizing this money but still there'll be another level of that and that's good because we got to be sure that money is spent right and that's for things like artificial intelligence quantum computing a lot of other technologies to keep us on the cutting edge i support that but i want to make sure the money is spent properly
0: you frame this as a matter of national security and it seems so obvious but do you think everyone views it that way
2: well, I think anybody who's looked at it uh, carefully certainly does. I've, I've been in a number of classified briefings where I've been uh, able to get some information that uh, my constituents can't get, uh, but it's basically what uh, you know you see in the in the media, which mm-hmm. is that America has become increasingly reliant on other countries for an essential part of all of our national security. At one time, 30 years ago, we made about 37 percent of the chips here in this country. It's a technology that we actually developed in this country. Today we're down to less than 12%, and none of the high-end chips. And the high-end chips are what goes into things like tanks uh, made in Lima, Ohio. Right. Uh, the F-35, uh, parts of which are made in Ohio. And all of which helps us to be able to project force and keep the best military in the world. So we do not want to be reliant on other countries for that. And that's, that's one of the, the big issues for me. In addition, of course, this is transformational for Ohio. I mean, we've never had an investment this big in Ohio. What Intel is going to do, not just for Central Ohio, but our entire state, is bring a lot of other suppliers in to help produce these products. So it's 10,000 jobs in Central Ohio, they say, but it's really thousands more jobs and good-paying jobs. And so uh, when you talk to the building trades folks in Ohio, which I do regularly, uh, they're excited about it because this is very complicated manufacturing, but they're going to be relying on our building trades folks. When you talk to the Ohio State University, which, who I talked to this week about it, they're really excited about it because they're going to be involved in a, a lot of the workforce training mm-hmm. the research, so are our community mm-hmm. colleges. Uh, and when you talk to the suppliers, the people that make the wafers, as an example, which go in, into the chips production, uh, they want to come to Ohio, too, because they want to be closer to this, this huge new investment. So this is, uh, it's game-changing for Ohio. And it'll be good for our country.
0: No question. Uh, when we talk about this on a national security level, that is not the only front on which this battle is being waged. You authored a report for the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs detailing a long-running and brazen campaign by Chinese officials to influence and undermine U.S. monetary policy through the Federal Reserve. I- explain what is going on here kind of in, in basic terms.
2: China for many years has been trying to exploit our relative openness in this country, um, whether it's research or or whether it's in our business sector, our medical sector, or our military sector. And we have been studying this for the last four or five years and come up with a number of of reports and information about it. The most recent one is with regard to the Federal Reserve. Uh, China there has been targeting the Federal Reserve and its employees. It's not surprising, again, because they've been trying to do this with every sector of our economy and of our government sector. And my concern is that what they do is they take this information back to China and use it often uh, in a way that's adverse to our interests. So so that's that's the problem with it. Um, I think we've been you know, relatively naive in this country. We've sort of thought, uh, gosh, uh, this can't be happening, and yet it has. I remember we did our first hearing after we did a year-long investigation, issued a report outlining specifically what uh, China had done. The FBI was testifying And they said, you know, for the last two decades, we really haven't been on top of this and we're going to change that. And they have to their credit. Um, And they've done things that, uh, you know, you've read about and others have and seen uh, on TV, which is actually arresting individuals who Mm -hmm. are basically working for China and working for the U.S. taxpayer all at once and providing the research that U.S. taxpayers are paying for to China. So you can't have that continue to happen. It's helped. With regard to the growth of the Chinese economy and the Chinese military, um, and again, uh, this is something that U.S. taxpayers uh, you know, just can't, can't put up with and won't put up with. So our legislation that we'd like to get passed, which is passed the Senate already, we haven't passed the House yet, would actually tighten things up to make that uh, much harder for China to do in the future.
0: You mentioned there's been a certain level of naivete up to this point with respect to all of this. Fed Chair Jerome Powell pushed back on parts of that report, standing by his people saying that the Federal Reserve staff understand their obligations and are committed to maintaining both the confidentiality of sensitive information and the integrity of our workforce, unquote. Is he still being naive?
2: Well, no, I appreciated that statement. And the whole point of this is to get the Fed to tighten things up. And I think they will as a result. And, you know, we had good conversations with them all along. Um, The data we're using is their own data. It's their own report that they did, which is a five-year study about counterintelligence. Uh, We also, though, relied on the FBI and information that they had. So it's, uh, you know, the the information is is accurate. And I do think that the Fed has already made some changes to help tighten things up. And I think, unfortunately, in the environment we find ourselves in, um, every Part of our government and our economy needs to be careful about this, whether it's uh, hacking that's going on or, or whether it's direct espionage. Um, this is just a reality of, of the 21st century, and we have to be cognizant of it, including at the Fed.
0: And, and real quickly, a clarification. when You talk about the uh, recommendations in that report. Are they recommendations at the, uh, the policy level within the agency, or are you talking about maybe legislative uh, action to protect the in- integrity of the Federal Reserve?
2: Well, we have both. Uh, with regard to the recommendations, uh, we're, we're clear on some things that could be done internally, but also we have legislation that would help with regard to the broader issue, not just with the Fed, but with regard to protecting our research, our IP, classified information. And that includes helping the State Department do their job better, helping the Department of Homeland Security do their job better, helping the Department of Justice be able to prosecute these cases more effectively, helping our universities and other research enterprises, Uh, be able to report, be be transparent about what's going on and understand what's going on. So there's a number of elements to this that we're going to have to do as a country. If we don't, uh, we will continue to lose some of the most valuable research, intellectual property, uh, information that, again, often taxpayers themselves have paid for. And particularly as we're talking about more funding in this CHIPS legislation because part of it goes to the National Science Foundation, to the Department of Energy, to the National Institutes of Health for research. We've got to be sure that those entities are properly protecting that information.
0: We will leave it there. Ohio That's Senator the Rob Portman, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, talk about a relatable title to add to your summer reading list, Writing Down Cancer, is a new book of poetry by Carol Anderhagen. And uh, Carol, there must be a story about the inspiration behind this book, because I would think this is the type of subject matter that you don't just write about on a whim.
3: No, you don't. (laughs) Not at all. Um, I was diagnosed with a stage one breast cancer in 1990. I've Always use writing as a way to access my own feelings, and uh, I just can't have a feeling and understand what it is. I have to write about it mm-hmm. and figure it out. And so, when I got that diagnosis, I just wrote through the various stages of feelings that I went through. You know, the the fear, the anger, the uh, reconciliation, right? The uh, coming out of it alive. The sort of every poem has expressed some kind of emotion. What. Uh, related you know related to the
0: experience yeah and like i said uh you know that's why i say this is a relatable uh title because these are emotions that anyone who has been through it and so many people have been touched by cancer in one form or another uh they certainly understand where you're coming from every single step of the way
3: that's true yep we have much in common Um, though i was very fortunate just being diagnosed early
0: yeah and you pull no punches here the subtitle of the book is a journey of dreams and nightmares and there are both in these writings
3: yes yes there are
0: talk a little bit about the process of putting those thoughts and those feelings onto the page
3: uh well that's the process of writing poetry in general um usually I get a, a kind of an inspiration, maybe a title, maybe a first line, and uh, as long as I get that down, I can come back later to it and 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 write the poem. Um, and I like to think, and people have told me, my poetry is very accessible. It's not obscure. You can relate to it very easily. Um, for example, the the one of the first poems in the Writing Down Cancer is titled "The Art of Telling," in which I describe how my doctor. Held my hand and gently laid me down as I was about to pass out. I think yeah from the diagnosis
0: and um, cathartic. I would think
3: absolutely, absolutely. Because once I could get it on the page, then it was no longer residing in me and and um, you know festering the either the sadness or the anger or you know I could just move along to the next or the next stage and I never considered it a battle I couldn't relate to battling cancer what I felt was these are my cells and I've got to love them out of my body I got to talk to them and tell them to be gone (laughs) I know that sounds strange but um
0: well it actually kind of uh relates to one of the other questions I wanted to ask because I'm always curious to learn why authors are drawn to the types of material that they write about uh you know what draws Stephen King or John Grisham or Danielle Steele or Nora Roberts to the types of books that they write what draws you to poetry
3: well that has to do with my childhood i uh, one of my other my other chapbook is called Born Child I was um, in and out of foster homes from the time I was three finally had a wonderful placement when I was six and then at age seven yanked out of it just you know, within a week and put in an orphanage, the state of Florida wanted me to get a, get me away from my biological father who was constantly grabbing me and running and the police were chasing us and mm. so forth. So I got adopted. But what happened was when I was adopted, um, I was told to forget my first eight years and to never talk about it. That's literally what I was told. And my new parents were told, do not ask her any questions. Hmm. So I was bottled up. I was, isolated by the situation i found a book of poetry in the new bookshelf you know the bookshelves of the new parents and it seemed there i could find words and feelings and that's how i began to come yeah. um, to understand
0: myself uh does, i did I, as i was going to mention I, as, as as you were saying your fight with cancer uh only one of the significant challenges you have faced in your life so poetry uh really became a way of dealing with and overcoming all of those challenges not just a a means to an end in terms of a way to share your story with others although certainly it has become that
3: yes it has but in writing a poem When I, when I, of course, any kind of writing is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. You work over your words and your lines and, and eventually you get what you're happy with as a, as a poem. Um, But once I'd done that, then I had realized I had resolved those feelings. They were, they were done and we'll move on in the poem. So I could move on to a different state of being.
0: You know, one of the other uh, interesting things I saw in your bio That you were a school librarian Mm -hmm. for nearly three decades. Now, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people these days believe that today's kids are not interested in books anymore. They just don't have, they don't hold an interest in this age of, you know, flashy media and instant gratification, all of that. Did you find that to be the case? No, I didn't.
3: And I, and I find it hard to believe that there are not kids that still want to read. There are plenty of kids that want to read. There's nothing like a book really isn't. Um, and you know, when I read books in in book form and I read books on, on my smartphone, um, in fact, a few years ago, I decided, you know, you're doing too much digitally. Go to the library and browse, (laughs) browse in the books and see what you find. Yes, I did that. Um, I think teachers have to work hard though, to, to make it relevant, to make reading relevant. I was very fortunate. I had a wonderful school system that really, um, put a lot of of money into their school libraries. Yeah. A wonderful library. Again, the uh, book is... And I worked 28 years with 12-year-olds. So, (laughs) much, this is a
0: large part of my
3: personality that's a (laughs) (laughs) 12-year-old.
0: The book is Writing Down Cancer, a new book of poetry by Carol Anderhagen. And at the end of the day, what do you hope that people take away from this? As you mentioned, I mean, obviously, this is a, uh, a way of, you know, working through uh, all of those emotions and going through all of those stages for you personally. But by sharing this, what do you hope people take away from the book?
3: That you can survive and you can survive well, but you've got to reach out. You've got to reach out family, friends, medical person if you're having a hard time. Don't hide it in yourself. You have to reach out and get help. That's my message. Reach out.
0: Do you have a website where folks can learn more about the book we can guide folks to? I certainly do. And it's Carol C A R O L, M A
3: E, R A Y. com. Carol May Ray was my name given to me at birth.
0: Carol, Anderhagen, thanks very much for taking the time. Certainly best of luck with the book.
3: Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. It's kind of a hairy situation. Three women suspected of stealing $1,894 in wigs. Get it? Wigs? Hairy situation? (laughs) Ahem. The theft occurred in Camden, New Jersey on July 20th. Suspects were caught on camera at the Cocoa Beauty Supply Store, where they appear to be stuffing three wigs into their shirts and leaving without paying. Police are still on the lookout for the suspects. (laughs) They are described as blonde, or maybe brunette, or maybe redhead. (laughs) All right, enough of that. Serious stuff. This is a weird story uh, with an ironic twist. An elderly woman is okay, fortunately, after she crashed her car into the front of an animal clinic in St. George, Utah. It happened about 6.30 p.m. last night when she said she hit the gas instead of the brake. Uh, The collision was uh, at a slow speed, slow enough that it did not even engage her. Her airbags, the airbags did not even go off. So uh, she was unhurt, but it did do damage to the building. And the reason for the accident, she explained to police, she was distracted by her dog. <laughs> she was distracted by her dog and crashed into the animal clinic. <laughs> I know my, my dog doesn't want to go to the vet either. Uh, that's... But I don't know that he's ever rebelled to that point. In Arizona, this is Prescott Valley, Arizona. A fast food worker is in jail and a 67-year-old man is in the hospital after a complaint about an order turned violent. Police say when the man complained about his order at a Wendy's restaurant on Tuesday, Antoine Kendrick allegedly came out from behind the counter and smacked the man upside the head. We've had stories in the uh, broken news about uh, customers behaving badly toward fast food workers and I guess, turnabout is fair play. The worker uh, behaving badly and assaulting the customer on this. So much for the customer always being right. Uh, The man fell when struck on the head and was knocked unconscious when his uh, head hit the floor. He was flown to a hospital. Mr. Kendrick was booked into jail on uh, charges of aggravated assault. Wow, Uh, let's see elsewhere in the broken news this morning from the international file. A neighbor dispute uh, just keeps escalating here. This is from Norfolk, England, where Stephen Bett doesn't like people looking on to his 2000 acre property. So he constructed a wall of hay bales to stop wandering eyes. (laughs) Stacked up a bunch of hay bales to make sure that nobody could see onto his property. Uh, Apparently, his neighbor says that he only did that uh, to block his home. Apparently, he and his neighbor have been going through something of a dispute uh, that has been ongoing for quite some time now. Uh, the uh, neighbor, John Turner, says it became obvious that it was just to block me from seeing onto to his properties, blocking my view. Mr. Turner was pretty upset when he woke up to see a giant wall of hay right outside of his window, blocking his view of the surrounding landscape, even though it is uh, his neighbor's property. So he stormed over to confront Mr. Bett and demand an explanation. After a furious exchange with the housekeeper, he pushed over the bales of hay as he uh, stormed across Mr. Betts' property and back to his home. But the next day, the wall was put back together with additional structural reinforcements to make it less likely to fall. (laughs) So he built it back and reinforced it. Should be pointed out that Mr. Bett, the neighbor who constructed the hay fence, hay wall, uh, is the former police and crime commissioner of Norfolk. And uh, he believes, and this is apparently where this whole dispute started, uh, this whole feud started. He believes that Mr. Turner tore down 95 trees that had once lined his property. Uh, Mr. Turner denies vehemently denies that allegation but mr bet also says uh, he put the hay bales just in front of mr turner's property because he was sick at looking at looking at them barbecuing and pushing putting their wash out They're just sick at seeing them put their wash out hanging out their wash it's not a gu- not a good view for me why should i have to look at what they are doing he said And he notes he plans on building a bigger, badder, and more secure wall across his entire property line at a later date. (laughs) So stay tuned. (laughs) This story is far from over. I just can't imagine waking up one morning and uh, seeing that your neighbor has created a giant wall of hay bales. You know, that's (laughs) right at the property line. Oh, my. And finally, in the broken news this morning, have you ever butt dialed somebody? You know, it's rather embarrassing when you do that. Uh, And it always seems to happen at the most inopportune time. Case in point, a criminal who butt dialed police as he was stealing a car. (laughs) Happened in Cole County, Missouri. Sheriff John Wheeler said police responded to the scene after a man called 911 and promptly hung up. Right around 4 o'clock in the morning, they got a 911 hang-up call. And according to protocol, they get a 911 hang-up call. They've got to go out and investigate and see what exactly is going on. When authorities arrived at the home, the owner, who was not the one who called police, realized his car was missing. Another resident told police that their car had been broken into and rifled through. Few things stolen from the car that same night as they filed the police report the resident learned his credit card was being used at a nearby convenience store and got a text message you know that his card was being used with a hot lead on their hands police reviewed the store's security footage and found the man that they were looking for and apparently as somebody that they are familiar with uh, that authorities uh, an individual who is known to authorities I think is how they put it uh, authorities tracked the man down to his home and and uh, found it to be filled with stolen goods in all. Uh, police arrest, arrested two men and two women. Four arrests out of this. Uh, they were charged with felony theft, theft of a motor, motor vehicle, fraud, and more. Uh, said Sheriff Wheeler of another job well done, quote, We appreciate the suspects calling 911 <laughs> and... We appreciate the suspects calling nine one one and allowing us to solve this crime in a timely manner. <laughs> I wonder if he'll get credit for that when he goes to uh, when he goes to court. Can he claim that um, uh, when he pleads for leniency? Hey, I did turn myself in. <laughs> you know, I wonder if he can he can leverage that. And I did turn myself in. I may not have meant to, but I did turn myself in. You know, that's there. You go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to us a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN
1: Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to
0: WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Autospot, Lorette Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and
2: 95.5 FM.
0: And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Do you uh, follow the five-second rule? New survey here finds that the answer for most Americans depends on the place in question. Uh, According to this poll of 2,000 Americans, 44% say that they follow the five-second rule, which means that if you drop food on the floor, you have five seconds to pick it up. And it's still okay to eat. As a matter of fact, the average American, according to the survey, does eat food off the floor about four times per month. (laughs) We're dropping a lot of food is what I take away from that. But uh, in any event, depending on the scenario, 52% of those in the poll agree that there are some places that they would extend the rule to about 10 seconds. Uh, That would be... 63% 63% say in their own home, it's not a five second rule. It's a 10 second rule because their home is so clean. 63% of people who are those 63% of, <laughs> I don't know that, I mean, I'm not living in a pigsty, but I don't know that my home is clean enough that I would extend that would double the five second rule. Uh, but 63% would 55% uh, would extend the five second rule to 10 seconds at a restaurant 55% at a hospital or medical facility. But everyone has their limits. Almost two-thirds, 63%, have places that they would never consider eating food off the floor. Five seconds or, or not. Not even one second. The five-second rule notwithstanding. Uh, those off, those uh, places where the five-second rule does not apply according to those in the survey, public bathrooms, (laughs) 60% said public bathrooms. I would have actually hoped that that would have been much higher. (laughs) I want to know who are the 40% of people who would still apply the five-second rule in a public bathroom. Remind me never to go over to those people's homes for dinner because you just don't know. 59% said public streets or sidewalks. The five-second rule does not apply. Again, show me the 41% of people who don't agree with that statement. 57% said airports. The (laughs) five-second rule does not apply. I'm actually a little surprised that these numbers continue to go down. Uh, The poll was conducted by one poll on behalf of Ecolab, Uh, to uncover how respondents' standards of cleanliness have changed over the past several years. Obviously, with the pandemic, we're more cognizant of this now, and that's why I would have thought that many of those numbers would have been much higher in terms of places we don't follow the five-second rule. (music) And now, once again, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio this morning with another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, in honor of uh, the return of the Ohio State Fair this morning, we have some recipes that just taste better in Ohio.
4: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> they're, like, originated from Ohio. Yeah, yeah they're kind of Ohio-based ohio, <laughs> yes. ohio
0: based recipes. Yes. I saw a story uh, the other day, as a matter of fact, online. I was uh, reading... Uh, with respect to this first one. And so Ohio shredded chicken sandwiches. And that apparently is uh, just an an Ohio or (laughs) a a Midwest thing. Uh, I I did not know this, Mm -hmm. but apparently uh, elsewhere. People are like, what is that? (laughs) Yeah, shredded uh, (laughs) shredded chicken. Somebody, uh, I think, posted this online uh, the other day. Uh, inquiring, is this weird? Is it just something that we do, or is this a... uh, Something we do,
4: and it's really good. (laughs) It is really good.
0: And uh, so if you've never had that, I can't imagine anyone in Ohio... Uh, That hasn't had shredded chicken sandwiches, but uh, with the podcast and all of that and the streaming, you may be listening somewhere Somewhere else else. where you don't normally have. try it. You might like it. You might like it. (laughs) Uh, So what is the recipe for Ohio shredded chicken sandwiches?
4: So a 28. ounce can of fully cooked chicken, one can of condensed cream of mushroom soup, about 10.75 ounces, uh, four ounce crushed uh, potato chips, one and a half tablespoons of dried chicken, minced onion, or One and a half (laughs) tablespoons of dried minced onion. Okay. Let me spit that out. All right. One cup of chicken broth and salt and pepper to taste. So uh, place your chicken breasts, um, your soup, your potato chips, and your chicken broth in a slow cooker. Mix that well. Um, Cover and cook for three to four hours. Um, If the mixture is too thin, add a little... If the mixture is too thin, thick add a little bit more chicken broth if the mixture is a little too thin add a little bit more potato chips so whichever way you like it okay and then serve on a hamburger bun
0: that's it that's it that's it's it. easy <laughs> that's that's an even better uh yes that's even better some people exactly.
4: will use um uh uh, stovetop stuffing okay. uh, in theirs and stuff, but I like potato yeah. chips. And this mine.
0: this is the thing, and this is the uh, big debate. Again, if you are not familiar with the uh, uh, chicken shredded chicken sandwich, right? Uh, cuisine, yes. Uh, everybody does their chicken sandwiches a little, little bit, bit differently. Different. Yep. Uh But you use the potato chips.
4: I use potato so. chips. Okay. Yep. All I'm right. not a big stovetop person. So. There you go. Um. Then next we have the grilled corn on the cob. Yes,
0: grilled corn on the cob, and again, uh, you know, with the return of the state fair, mm-hmm. uh, what is better at the fair than uh, big old grilled corn, corn on, the, on cob. the cob? So, so do so, that with your shredded chicken. Sandwiches. Yes,
4: so six fresh corn on the cob. Uh, and uh, take get the shock off. Yeah, shocked, um, obviously. Yes, two tablespoons of olive oil, one teaspoon of salt, and a half a teaspoon of pepper. So, clean the cob. Uh, prepare all six pieces or six pieces of foil. Lay each cob on the foil. Drizzle with the olive oil over each of the corn uh, corn on the cobs. Season with your salt and pepper. Roll up the corn in the foil. Make sure that it's completely covered and sealed really well Mm -hmm. place on the grill over medium heat for about 20 minutes. Turn, turn that occasionally. I do it like every five to 10 minutes. I turn it. Um, and, uh, just to make sure it's cooked evenly, uh, then remove the foil from the corn carefully from the foil will be hot serve with warm butter and enjoy.
0: Now, here's the thing. Uh, and the recipe notes that you can do this in the oven Mm -hmm. uh, as well. um, Again, you shuck the corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have heard of people grilling it. Yeah. with if, the shuck on. Right.
4: If you do that, you have to soak it in water first.
0: Oh you, well, yeah, You need to soak
4: it in water because the, that the shuck is.
0: It'll catch on fire. Yeah, it'll catch on fire. Uh, it is. That's why I don't do that. It's <laughs> the same as skewers uh, when you're right. doing kebabs. Right. Um, so, th- the difference being, uh, obviously, the corn does not get you know uh blackened right uh and and that right so it's just not the same right but some people will do yeah. the shuck on yeah. but this one is for removing the shuck yes all right
4: yeah i and, don't like to catch my grill on fire
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> it does tend to ruin your yeah. backyard barbecue yeah. uh and uh, finally for dessert Uh, Again, what is more Ohio than Buckeye Brownies? Yes. So a a 19-and-a-half-ounce
4: box of brownie mix, and the ingredients is called for because you're going to prepare your brownies. Uh, Two cups of powdered sugar, one-and-a-half cups of butter softened, six tablespoons of butter, one cup of peanut butter, and six-ounce semi-sweet chocolate chips. So prepare your brownies according to the package directions in a grease 13-by-9-inch pan. Let cool completely. Uh, combine the peanut butter the powdered sugar and half a cup of butter spread on top of the brownie mix and chill in the fridge refrigerator for about an hour then melt your chocolate chips and your six tablespoons of butter in the microwave or on the stovetop I do mine in the microwave it's just a lot easier Uh, you just got to make sure um, even though It may seem like the chocolate chips aren't melted. Mm -hmm. Um, Mix them up first, and and let them. You know incorporate with the hot butter and it's going to melt it's chocolate okay so then spread over the peanut butter mixture place back in the fridge um until you're ready to serve so at least for about a half an hour or so to harden up those chocolate chips
0: just as simple as that yep so uh, again recipes that just taste better in ohio yes you can make them anywhere but Mm -hmm. they just taste better in ohio (laughs) Uh, in honor of the uh, State Fair, we're going to the uh, State Fair uh, later yep. on today, as a matter of fact. We're going to yep. head down to uh, Columbus and uh, really excited about the return of the State Fair. Um, what are you looking most forward to food-wise?
4: <laughs> uh, I want
0: a donut burger. <laughs> the donut I want a donut burger. To, that, I was actually a little surprised you didn't do a donut burger uh, as one of the recipes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't
4: um, think about it. I although, like, yeah. a donut
0: it's, burger is pretty much...
4: A, a burger grilled burger with two donuts donuts instead of yeah, yeah glazed yeah. donuts instead so of that's bread. a donut burger so, so you have two Krispy Kreme donuts or glazed donuts and, and that is not
0: just an Ohio recipe no. they have that everywhere, everywhere. yeah, yeah. Uh, first place I to... saw
4: it was at the Ohio State Fair though Yeah. and I was like oh, I have to try it and I was <laughs> sticky but it was really really good yeah. and sweet and, zero and salty ca- zero and...
0: calories as a matter of fact uh-huh, so. Yeah.
4: none <laughs> None <laughs> whatsoever
0: that's, that's the thing and that's the only the only problem with those fair recipes when you yeah. do them at home they have calories. Oh, when you yeah. do them at the fair, they have no calories. No, nope, nope. it's just doesn't something, it count. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just something uh, about the. <laughs> Does it anyway. count at the fair? <laughs> so there you go. Uh, those recipes from Kyra's Kitchen for the uh, ch- uh, shredded chicken sandwiches, the uh, grilled corn on the cob, and the Buckeye brownies uh, are uh, posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. I'm um, having trouble uh, sharing those on the WFIN Facebook page for some reason, but we'll get that sorted out and it'll be up. There later you can also uh, get the link at goodmornings.net so you can check them out there my wife Kyra thanks very much you're welcome and that will finish up our podcast for today thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program uh, this morning and remember you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, of course and that is goodmornings.net Coming up Monday, when neighbors and law enforcement come together, the result is a safer community. We have details on this year's Flag City Night Out. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out make it a good day, a great weekend, we'll catch you back here next week.